Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Incoming transmission. Politics. Not good at politics. Surely there are others who are better suited. Trek Politics with Mary L. Trump and Bob Seska. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this slightly different episode of Trek Politics with me, Mary Trump, and my co-host, Bob Seska. Hi, Mary. So uh, we have been thrown a bit of a curveball. Um, so we wanted to explain to everybody what's happening with today's episode and what's going to be happening, at least for the foreseeable future. As you all may have heard, uh, SAG-AFTRA, which is the Screen Actors Guild Union for Actors, uh, has joined forces with the Writers Guild of America uh, in striking for fair wages and compensation, et cetera, uh, for actors and writers in Hollywood. And we, this is, we've been waiting a few days for information to come out. We weren't really sure what our role here was. I mean, obviously both of us stand in solidarity with the writers and actors, and that will never change. And our support is unwavering. We just weren't sure what, uh, how best to do that, or mm-hmm. how how our show might be limited. Um, we knew, for example, that our guests were not going to be able to talk about their work, no matter how uh, old. <laughs> you know, yeah. not only could they not talk about what we're here to talk to them about, which is essentially the work they're doing presently, but they couldn't even talk about uh, projects from the past, which is why uh, today our guest, the great Kurt Acevedo, uh, is basically filling us in on what's happening with the strike. And I think it's important not only from a philosophical point of view to support the writers and actors in this endeavor, but I think coming at this from a Star Trek fan point of view, the better actors and writers are treated in that town will invariably improve Star Trek. The things that we love, the entertainment we love, even reaching beyond Star Trek, the movies and streaming shows that we uh, love and which enrich our lives, that is uh, not only invaluable to us as fans, but also invaluable to us as hosts of a podcast that circulates around this one particular uh, show and series of movies. And I think, Mary, the best approach is to take this on a week-by-week basis, Mm -hmm. Uh, essentially talking to the guests that we already have booked Mm -hmm. and to proceed with the recording of those episodes with the strike in mind Mm -hmm. and uh, making sure that we're able to navigate all of that, still producing shows to an extent, while also not stepping on anyone's feet in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to bring you all up to date, we came into the show thinking that although there were um, quite strict 
boundaries in terms of what we could talk to our guests about, Bob and I were still going to talk about the latest episodes. But the new uh, guidelines from SAG-AFTRA WGA came out. And we if we want to be on the right side of this, we can no mm-hmm. longer do that. So we are not yeah. going to. However, right. we had an, a really interesting conversation with Kirk. Uh, and I think that it's really going to help everybody out there watching and listening uh, understand what's at stake, how things are going, and some maybe insights into how we can be supportive of this endeavor. And uh, I, therefore, I think, Bob, we should just jump right in um, with our interview uh, with Kirk Acevedo. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm doing well. Uh, You know, just trying to... You know, this heat is just insane across the country. It's just bizarre. And are you in um, Vegas now? Or? I, I was. Uh, I'm back in Los Angeles, and it's almost just as hot. So You did something like 2,300 steps the other day? That's insane. <laughs> I did. I, I had to cut it short, surprisingly, because it was it just was too hot. So. So, so basically, the heat got the best of Kid Vicious. Wait, you mean stairs? Yeah, or so there's these stairs steps. in Well, yeah, there's so one flight is 158 steps. That's one flight. That's a lot. Wow. So you do 15 of them and they come out to the 2300 wow. and something. And where was this? This is in Los Angeles. This is uh uh going up Beachwood Canyon by the Hollywood sign. They have all these stairs yeah. that people use to, you know, get in shape and- Or get heat stroke. Or get heat stroke, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so for obvious reasons, uh, at least obvious to us, we can't talk about what we originally wanted to have you on to talk about, but sure. um, we thought it was really important if you were willing uh, to talk to us about why we can't talk about what we would normally be talking about, because I think uh, the strike um, now that, uh, especially now that the actors have joined with the writers, yeah, um, is is at a really pivotal moment in not just in the strike, but in the the culture of your industry. In a way, yeah. it, it really feels yeah. like we're at a crossroads here, and. We just thought it would be amazing to have you on. Uh, You're involved. uh, You're, you know, deeply um, not just connected to the industry, of course, but interested in the outcome of this on behalf of uh, not just you and Kirsten, but your colleagues and and other parts of the industry as well. So we we just really want to see how it's going, Um, you know, keep people connected to this issue so people just don't yeah. think it's it's going to go away if we ignore it and how sure. how people can help basically yeah 
Yeah. Well, you know, we're we can't talk about much because we're in the middle of a massive strike, and yeah. not since I would say sixty-three years mm-hmm. since nineteen sixty, since the writers and actors uh, strike together. So, and the yeah. last time that happened, what we got out of that strike was residuals, which is oh, was yeah. massive. Mm-hmm. So that's for people who don't know what residuals are. Whether you do a TV show or or a film, and whether you're writer, director, actor, and so forth, you get a piece of a percentage of every time it re-airs. And so for us, that's what we live off of when we're not working, which is massive. Now... One of the biggest things right now with is, is AI is just basically taking over and mm-hmm. and you know writing you know you could just you could put in a, a scenario into and you know Chat GPT and they'll write you a script poorly, I might add, very poorly. Uh, there's no nuance. <laughs> there's no uh, there's you know it's like I, I tell my wife the beauty is in the blemishes. And what I mean by that is, for instance, when you're on stage and you make a mistake, whether it be you forget a line or something, magic comes out of that moment that you would have never have found if you said the line the right way. And, and beauty happens in those mistakes. And it's the same thing in writing. It's the same thing in acting. And, you know, these... AI systems or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, can't do what we do. There, there, there's no new. So the person that's programming these things, how does he make the AI act as well as Meryl Streep? How? Meryl Streep doesn't know what she's going to do. Right. You, you know what I mean? So, and yeah. also another thing is, your response, if you're the fellow actor opposite me, right? I don't know how I'm going to respond until you say your lines to me. And in that yeah. dance, or playing tennis as you will, that's where the beauty happens. That's incredible. You know, I'd never thought about it that way. The art happens in the uncertainty. And that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I think that's extraordinary. We need a bumper sticker. Yeah, and the, the other thing, the other dimension to this too is, Kirk, I mean, someone could take one of your performances or one of Meryl Streep's performances for that matter and say, sure. okay, portray me who's just a nobody acting as well as Meryl Streep. And those prompts will borrow from Meryl Streep's performances and apply that to just some random person, thus devaluing the input of Meryl Streep's performance in the first place. So it just, it scrambles everything and leaves this huge gray area that I would imagine is a huge concern for so many actors, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's just one of them. And another big one is for the background actors. This one, like, I mean, talk about being like massively apoplectic over the whole situation was you could work for whether a background gets 150 or 200 dollars a day. I, I don't know, but roughly it's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would assume it's right around there. And what the studios and networks wanted to do is 
they get paid for one day, these background actors, and then they own their likeness for eternity. It's like selling your soul for $200, and then they own your likeness, which is insane. So what if one of them becomes famous? What if one of them yeah. becomes the next Tom Cruise? So what, he has to yeah. buy back his likeness? I mean, there's, there's so much gray area with AI. And, you know, and another issue is, for me, is one of the, the, the biggest issues. Besides the fact, like, they assume, like, oh, actors are the ones that are af- affected by the strike. That's not true. The whole industry, the people that, that make meals for the crew, the people that drive the crew and the rigs and the, the equipment, uh, the hotels that put up crew and actors. I mean, it's it, the restaurants that you order from. All of this, we're talking about just tens of billions of dollars. It's, it's you know, and this thing, if people go on the internet and they go, hey, I saw what you're worth, Kirk Acevedo. And you're worth six million dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. so l- let me let me break this down. So I've been on shows that are were massive hits. I've been on films that have made over eight hundred million dollars. I've been in films that have been nominated for Oscars. I've been on films that uh, uh, TV shows that have won Golden Globes and have Emmy awards. I've won Drama Desk for Theater. I, I'm not showing you my accolades, but by me telling you this, not bragging about it, I'm trying to explain to you, during COVID, I lost my house. Wow. But if I'm worth all this money, and I've been on all these shows, right? And I've been on a lot of them, yeah. over 250 hours of network television. How is it that I could walk down the street and everyone might not know my name, but they'll know, oh, that's the guy from, oh, that's the guy from, oh, I recognize his voice, but yet I don't have a house. I lost my house. And these executives are making $50 million a year off of our backs, off of our talent, talentless motherfuckers. Because... What is their skill set? Do what their skill set is budgeting a dollar? Is that a skill set? You know, you know what, Kirk, there are a couple of things you're talking about that are so important that I think people don't understand. I want to start Mm -hmm. with the second thing first. Massive disparity that's that's nationwide. It's not just this industry. It's in every every aspect of uh, the private sector. Uh, the massive disparity between what the people at the very, very top are making and every and what everybody else is making. Um, yeah. And it's so we're talking about individuals, 10 individuals approximately making in excess of one hundred and seventy million dollars a year up to four hundred and fifty million dollars a year per person. Okay, so what they have at stake, because we live in such a a culture of greed, is their bottom line. They don't care about Mm -hmm. anybody else. So so we're up against these people who, as you say, are I think their skill is um, basically um, stealing 
or scamming off the skills of everybody else. That's their, that's their profound skill. Um, sure. But we're learning that they're just, they have so much at stake that they're, they're willing to uh, be as vicious as possible, vicious in a bad way, not in a kid vicious way. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and, and essentially starve people into submission, literally let people lose their houses as you did. And that brings me to the second yeah. point, which is people think, oh, recognizable Hollywood actor must have billions of dollars, right? And as you said, actors all actors, even even the most well known, even those who have have generally speaking had steady uh, steady income and steady jobs over the years, go through fallow periods. And everybody went through and through COVID. Nobody was making any money yeah. except the guys at the top because TV was still going on. No new productions were happening. So the number of people who could ride this out, the number of actors and screenwriters who could ride this stuff out is minuscule. So if somebody is recognizable as you, as somebody who has been involved in the quality projects you've been involved in over the years has struggled, imagine what the vast majority of people in the industry are going through. And yeah. I, th I saw somewhere that um, in order to be eligible for health insurance in SAG-AFTRA, you need to make at least $26,000 a year and something like 87% right. of members aren't eligible, are mm -hmm. not right. eligible. This is insanity. And, and, and this is, I'm glad you brought that up. Our last union president, um, so our premiums were raised, they made a deal and our premiums were raised. I think initially it was 17,000 or 21,000, then it jumped up to 26,000. It jumped up by 7,000. So I think the first tier was like, the minimum you had to make was like 17 or 18,000. They made that deal without telling the actors. And one of her co-stars, Shannon Doherty, who was dying of cancer, was left off didn't have health insurance from her own castmate, oh who was the president back then. And how do you not bring this to the union members to decide whether, because we all would have said no. Yeah. That's why. Horrendous. Terrible, terrible. You know, a lot of these people have never struggled, you yeah. know, and it's the same thing with, you know, you know, I, I'm, I won't, shit on her fully <laughs> but uh you know I, I just don't think the <laughs> our president understands she gave, she gave a great speech she had to because she was under pressure yep. to uh but uh they don't understand what the working class actor my friend josh stewart said a, said a great thing a great phrase he goes we are the tugboats that keep this ship afloat middle class actors mm. And that is yeah. the same thing throughout the country, the middle class, right? We're getting squeezed. It's the top 1% and it's everybody else. And the middle class is just getting choked away. I mean, we're just literally, you know, and it's the same thing in our industry. It's horrendous. I mean, you know, people like Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, they could survive these strikes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, Kirk, one of the things I see you uh, tweet about quite a bit and Kirsten, your wife also tweets about this. Uh, in fact, most recently, a couple of days ago, 
What's it like to audition via home video rather than auditioning in person? It seems like a, a, a whole new impediment placed before actors in order to get the cameras together and get the right setting and the microphones and all the rest of it. Explain yeah. what that process is like and, and why this has kind of thrown a hurdle in the path of, of people like you and Kirsten. Yeah, you know, with the whole on tape thing, auditioning at home, putting yourself on tape, I, I, I enjoy both ways. Yeah. Let me explain. So I control the narrative if I tape it at home. I can mm -hmm. do as many takes as I want if I tape it on my own. Uh, I could stage it. I could dress, look however I want. When you go into casting, you maybe get one or two takes, maybe three, and there's a line of actors waiting and they're in a hurry. So they're kind of like rushing you out the door, so to speak. Now, if they like you, you have certain relationships with casting, you know, and you have the ear of the director and the producers, you know, they have their favorites that they bring in and they give attention to. But the thing about shoot, the negative about shooting at a home is they want it shot a certain way. They want me to light it yeah. a certain way. You want me to mic it. Now, if you're a poor actor, struggling actor, you don't have all that equipment. Another issue is I got to find someone to read with me. I just had an argument with my wife. She doesn't want to read with me. These are the issues that no one understands. I got to quiet yeah. down the dogs. The dog is barking because the mailman came. My daughter's friends are like all these situations. And through it all, you're supposed to be focused, memorize 11 pages they gave you the night before. Like, it's insane. Like, you know, it's. Yeah. But having said that, I do prefer having the control of doing it on my own. I do that. Interesting. Now, how it negatively yeah. affects you is you don't get to see the director. That's a huge right. thing. You don't get to see the producers. One of the main things that I always tell, I speak to my, my alma mater, SUNY Purchase, and I tell them, when you walk in a room, there's three performances. First performance, when they first meet you. Second performance is the performance that you do. The third performance is when you break and how you leave. There's three different performances there. Guess what? When you put yourself on tape, they get none of that. They don't get your presence. Right. They don't get your voice. They don't see your physicality. They see none of that. Right. It, it feels like um, in the last few years, largely because of COVID and now, of course, it that it's left openings for sort of the, the worst impulses <laughs> to take over. Um, mm -hmm. And in the last actor strike, you know, uh, it, that gave space for uh, reality TV yeah. to, to yeah. Um, yeah. take away a lot of jobs. And now we're dealing with the threats of AI, which are just unspeakably dangerous. I mean, more, more dangerous even yeah. than reality TV. Um, yeah. So, where, what's your sense of where this is heading? Um, how how you guys are going to fight against this 
enemy that is much better funded and much better able to uh, to ride out a long protracted strike. Um, and again, you know, is there anything else the rest of us can be doing uh, as opposed to just yeah. leaving it all up to you? Because it, it feels wrong to continue to enjoy the fruits of your labor while you guys aren't getting compensated for it. You know, they're, the, the, those studios and networks are losing a lot of money. Uh, they've lost a lot of money during COVID. They've laid off a lot of people. They've cut back on shows. And yet these executives are still getting $49 million a year, getting bonuses, stock options. So there's still money to go around. They're just only going to a few yeah. people. That's, that's, that's the problem. So yes, they could wait us out. Uh, I think eventually we'll get what we want or most of what we want. How long that'll take, I don't know. Uh, I also I, th I think it was a bad optic of uh, the, the the one executive saying our end game is to make sh make to wait until they can't pay their mortgages and they're homeless. Yep. That was bad on their part because uh, like Ron Perlman says, we could find out who you are. And I'm that's, sure we are. Right. Although did. it was refreshingly, <laughs> it was refreshingly honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, it's, but I, I don't, I don't know how long this is going to last. And, you know, it's just, you know, there's a lot of actors that are in worse positions than I'm in. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I have, you know, some savings and stuff like that that I can rely on, as bleak as it is after dealing with COVID. But uh, I think what other people could do is cancel your Netflix, cancel your Hulu, cancel <laughs> all of it. You cancel all of it the strike will end a lot quicker. Interesting. Cancel Disney. Cancel all of it. Don't go to movies. Nothing. Well, def yeah, definitely not that. I, I mean, I, I, I understand the wisdom of boycotting these things and canceling the streaming services and so on, but as consumers, if we're to go to uh, one of these movies that are out right now, would that be the same as crossing the picket line? Would would we as viewers, as uh, theater goers, be crossing the picket line? Is that the thing that we should keep in mind? I mean, you know, if they want to support us, uh, I, I wouldn't go to any movies. And I would cancel all, all subscriptions. Yeah. Okay. Because we can't go all to right. a movie. We can't talk right. about jobs. We can't, uh, yeah. you know, there's so many things we can't do. And, you know, if you're like me, you've got a lot of DVDs floating around. Don't go buy any ones, <laughs> any new ones, but uh, get get a, get out your, what is it even called? Your DVD player, your Blu-ray. <laughs> That's right. I forgot what you those were so called. Funny. Too, yeah. You know what's so funny? I can't even talk about what I purchased before the strike, like weeks before. But it was this old box sets of, of a certain show that I used to see when I was a kid. I can't believe I can't even talk about it. But I bought a DVD insane. player yeah. just so I could play this box set. Yeah. I probably have the same one. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, listen, Kirk, I we really appreciate you being with us. I know that the circumstances are 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 tough, and um, plus it's really hot. 
Um, but mostly because, you know, we weren't able to talk to you about what we really wanted to talk to you about um, on the show. But again, we thought it was important for our listeners and viewers to know what's going on, because this isn't just about yeah. this isn't a simple issue. And uh, <coughs> this is this is about the future of your industry. And it's a it's a human rights issue. This is about how we treat mm-hmm. people who create the content that enriches our lives, uh, you know, as opposed to the studio executives who just want to burn it all down so they can make a buck or 450 million bucks as the case may be. So we really, we're so grateful to you for your work that we can't talk about. Um, And we hope that when things resolve, hopefully the way they should, um, yeah. that, that we'll be able to have you back on to talk about the fun stuff. I would love to come back. Excellent. Um, Kirk, anything you else you want to say? No, um, I mean, the, the only thing I, I just would reiterate is, you know, I got a bunch of, uh, tweets and stuff about, you know, somebody was, uh, literally like going in on me saying you rich SOB, you're like killing our industry. Oh. And you're living in a mansion. I'm like, yeah. You know, sort of reiterate again, like, you know, most, very few people, I mean, there's 2% of our union that the only thing they do is act. They have no other jobs. Right. But it's like half of a 1% that are making like, you know, the money, Mm -hmm. money. You know, we're, yep, we're yep. literally middle-class actors just trying to survive and, you know, you know, it's We're getting squeezed and squeezed. Yeah. And I, I think that is, that is an extremely important point that a lot of people miss, but I also think, you know what, even if you have millions and millions of dollars, you too deserve to get paid for your work. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. hear these what? same people complaining yeah. about the, 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 executives worth hundreds of millions of dollars it's like yeah. that's something that has i always blown my mind like they only complain about people making money when it's you know uh people doing doing the work as opposed to the, yeah. the people at the top of the fortune 500 companies just sitting back and reaping the benefits of other people's work it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me yeah I, Iger doesn't have to pay uh 10% to an agent 10% to a manager he doesn't right. pay any of that and also, even if he, let, let's say, if he had an agent, he negotiated down to 1%. That's what you do. Right. I mean, because, right. he, like, Tom Cruise doesn't pay 10%. Because it would be so age. much money, you know, 1% of $400 so million. Dollars. Right. Plus, if he failed and there was a whole string of lame movies that didn't get any box office whatsoever, he could actually leave that company with a huge golden parachute and make out like huge a parachute. bandit with... Tens Huge. of millions of dollars at least. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, if we fail, if we have a shitty film or a mm-hmm. shitty TV show, we don't work. That's right. Exactly. And the way the word gets around that town, if you had nothing to do with a failed project, you're still going to get tarnished. You're going to get tainted with the failure of that project. And there's really nothing you can do about that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You know, in... in if you speak to agents and managers, they tell you, no, you weren't number one in the call sheet. That that film was based around this actor. Mm-hmm. But you're still part of it. Yeah. yeah. You're still part of it. 
Yep. You're still part of something that failed. So basically, no. some some basic some fairness is all yeah. you guys are asking for. That's Empathy. see, it seems pretty simple. Uh, yeah. So, Kirk, thank you again so much, and uh, our you know we're we're totally in support of you here on Trek Politics, and uh, please keep us posted as as things develop. We'll do. Thank you for having me, guys. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, despite the fact that he was sitting in his car in like 150-degree heat and his entire industry is on strike, I thought that was amazing. I was seriously concerned there for a while. Someone was going to come knocking on his window like he was a dog trapped in a car in the Walmart parking lot. And then we'd end up in, in trouble that way. Someone would take a rock and break through his window. Let's save Kirk Acevedo. Save. What are you doing, you monsters? Why are you making him sit in this car? But he had the air conditioning running, so he was fine. He, he did indeed. <laughs> so I just wanted to uh, flag something that Kurt, Kirk uh, talked about. Uh, and he mentioned that his, in his view... Uh, a way to support actors and writers is for those of us who are consumers of entertainment, uh, bo- essentially boycott, boycott streaming services, don't go to movies, etc. cetera. And um, on Twitter today, I saw a post by the great John Carroll Lynch, who, mm-hmm. who took the same position, but also pointed out that at the moment, the unions are not asking for boycotts. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of this stuff, but I am going to follow the lead of the unions in this um, and wait uh, to see where they come down on boycotting. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, You know, we know a lot of people, including one of our forthcoming guests, Sean Farrick from Trek Culture, and we know a lot of fans who work in the podcasting space in particular. And this debate that we're having, uh, this discussion, uh, this adjustment in terms of how we do the show, this is happening across all of those other shows Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Everyone's in this conundrum trying to figure out how to uh, move forward. And I I think the best way to do that is to err on the side of whatever benefits the studios, the money makers at this point, that we take a step away from that. Mm -hmm. Even if it comes down to talking about Star Trek on social media. I mean, I love doing that. I love talking Mm -hmm. about Star Trek and all of these other things that are behind me. But I think for the time being, I'm going to take a rest from it in solidarity with the performers and the writers. I think that's the very, very least we can do. Yeah. And uh, just to highlight another point Kirk made that maybe we don't often think about is this is this is not just about the actors and the writers, although it is primarily about them. This the ways in which uh, people are compensated unfairly uh, basically impacts 
many, many people in many, many different industries. So, you know, this is a fight for the future. Uh, this is a fight for artists and those of us who value their art. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot at stake here, everybody. And, and I think at, at the most basic level, what's at stake is treating the people who are largely responsible for your success, studio heads, uh, with dignity and basic human decency. Yeah, exactly. And then we've got this wild card of artificial intelligence that I think our position on that aspect of all of this is quite clear after yeah. talking about it with Tim Russ and then with Kirk. Um, that's a, a whole new dangerous territory that I think we're in treacherous territory. Yeah. We really need some serious regulation on that front because, uh, as I've said, it's one of those things where there are myriad benefits to it. But at the same time, there are myriad downsides yep. and dangerous things that could come with AI. Already, Ron DeSantis, for example, has released an ad with an AI version of Donald in it, which is not stated as being AI. They just present it <laughs> and it's just there. So that moving into the yeah. entertainment space where it's stepping on the toes of artists I, I think we need regulation at the very least at that level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, this comes under the, the heading of just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should. <laughs> so I really yeah. hope uh, Congress catches up. Uh, I think it's, it's long past time that uh, our politicians in Congress start educating themselves or at least hiring people or and consulting people who actually know stuff about this particular issue, who know mm -hmm. about social media, who know about AI, uh, instead of pretending that they know everything about everything, because nobody knows everything about everything. Yep. And uh, th we're at a crossroads here. And these, these issues need to be taken seriously and dealt with before too much damage has been done. <laughs> We have a thing in the United States where only acting after the damage has been done. Be nice yeah. if we had some foresight every now and again in the uh, in America. It explains a lot about where we are uh, yes, and how absolutely. how we got here. But uh, we we hope that you got a lot out of the interview with Kirk, uh, and he will be back for sure after the strike mm -hmm. is over. So we can talk about why he came on uh, to to talk to us in the first place. <laughs> um, but in the spirit of kind of being creative uh, with this curve we've been thrown. Uh, we're going to continue having guests uh, to talk about, yes, the strike, but also how does one, how does an artist handle uh, being in a situation where he or she can't really do their work, you know, and, and yeah. how it's sort of similar to COVID, I guess, in some ways, um, how everything got interrupted, disrupted, uh, was destabilized. So, uh, to, to help us grapple with, with all of these issues next week, I'm so excited about this. I can't even contain myself. <laughs> um, we are having on as our guest next week, the extraordinary, the phenomenal, a amazing human being, Mary McDonald. Yeah. I'm very happy about that. So excited. Yeah. So I promise <laughs> you, even though we are not going to be able to talk to her um, about 
the incredible body of work that she has produced. Like, like just seriously incredible. Um, mm -hmm. You are not going to want to miss this. She's just an awesome person. And uh, she's also incredibly smart uh, and very dedicated to the cause. Uh, oh, yes. So don't miss next week. That's Trek Politics with Mary McDonald. Everybody, come on. <laughs> uh, and um, hopefully we have some good news, but uh, we promise you we're going to keep going uh, no matter what. And we're going to yeah. keep bringing you uh, information, news, updates, and incredible guests. So hang in there.